0: Hello everybody, welcome back to my channel and to the Fae, the Fair Folk. We're now on the H's, and our first H is Habitrot, the Spinstress. In Scottish fairy lore, Habitrot and her fellow spinners live under the root of a tree. Can only be seen by a mortal when looking through a stone with a hole in it. A hagstone, basically. As kindly as she is, Habitrot is ugly, as all her spinning has deformed her lip, flattened her thumb and given her flipper for a foot. Habitrot is befriended by a lazy but beautiful girl whose mother has bragged to the local lard. Her daughter was the best and fastest spinner ever known. The lard is taken by the beauty of the girl, but before he will marry her, Demands she spin an enormous pile of flax in a single night. Assisted by Habitrot and her friends, the task is easily done. The lard is impressed and set a wedding date. However, all is not well, as the soon-to-be bride learns. Her husband intends for her to continue spinning. Habitrot intervenes on the wedding day, showing herself to the lard, and all present. Warning, her own hideous form came as a result of spinning. The Lord declares his wife is forever forbidden to even touch a spinning wheel. Now, happily married, the girl is thankful for the friendship and the assistance of her fairy friend. Habonde. Now, the Habonde or Dame Habonde or the Wandering Dame it can be spelt with H, but it can also be spelt with. An A, when it's spelt with an A, it's Abundia, or Abund, but this is Habunde, A beautiful fairy from English and French folklore, described as having dark plaited hair and wearing a golden circlet with a star upon her head. Apparently this could signify she's possibly some sort of queen to the Fae. Habundia. Habundia is a nocturnal fairy queen, benevolent of nature. She is most pleased when a family retires for the evening, and the home is left in a neat and orderly fashion. In the early medieval period, Habundia was a night-flying fairy goddess with witch-like abilities associated with fertility rites. In Normandy, Habundi is said to be the queen of the white ladies, a species of fair whose presence is believed to be a death omen. Many folklorists have associated Herbundia as one of the many names and guises of Queen Marm. Hag The idea of a hag and elderly, immortal, ugly witch-like woman dates back to ancient Egypt, Greece, as I could say, as well as in ancient Celtic law. The term is used in both fairy law and in reference to witches, although the latter is considered to be a derogatory term. In the fairy lore of British Isles, hags are fairy beings. Likely, at one time, they were ancient goddess. In the winter months, the hag is depicted as being old and ugly. But as the season changes, it becomes younger and more attractive as spring nears. Sometimes a hag is said to be cannibalistic. There are many individual beings considered to be a hag throughout Celtic mythology. Norse hags may have been originally as sacrificial priestesses to the death goddess Hell. In Irish and Scottish law, the hag is also an ugly being, blind or one-eyed, hairy-chinned, hunchbacked, and decrepitly old. But if it is kissed, then the hag transforms into a beautiful young woman, a common theme. A good hag will oftentimes assist with spinning, while malevolent hags are aligned with the dark vein and the spirits of the dead, seeking to do harm to mankind and livestock. Hagno. Hagno was a nymph, one of the Oceanid. She was associated with the care and feeding of the infant god Zeus. Harry Jack, in Lincolnshire, England, Harry Jack was well known, just like the Burgess. This black, shaggy, large fairy dog attacked those who traveled alone, especially near the area of Bullerton. Usually invisible, this very animal could only be felt as a presence. When it wanted not to be noticed, it was believed it took the guise of a lame but small man. Half-kin Half-kin is a fairy like the Alpha, having an immortal soul or was created by God. Halia, also known as Lukothia, a sea-nymph, Halia meaning sea-woman, was a nereid of the sea, sea's brine. Haliai, in ancient mythology, Haliai, salt and sea, the nymphs of the sea, specifically the rocky and the sandy shores. Halin, a sea nymph in Greek mythology, meaning the briny, one of the named nereids. Halimede, another sea nymph, Greek mythology, she was also one of the named Nellians, and was called the walking nymph of the rocks. Haltija, meaning gnome-like creature. Um, now it's said each person has their own Haltija, similar to a guardian angel of Christian mythology. In It's Finland, but apparently everyone has one. And they're divided into races as well. And there are many different species. But apparently everybody does have one. The Halikos. Halikos, a nymph in Greek mythology from the spring. Um, in Attica. A sacred law in Attica decreed that anyone who drank from the Halikos spring should pay an annual fee, apparently. Because it's obviously sacred. Hamadryad, the Hamadryad of Greek mythology. They're the twelve nymphs, basically, but they are the nymphs of the trees. Generally, it does actually say oak trees, but Hamadryads are associated with many different trees, not just oak trees. Um, there's like there's also dryads, which is the same as a Hamadryad, but also different in a way. But the dryads are also fairies that live in trees. Just like the hammer dryads, but the hammer dryads apparently are more associated with oak. But technically speaking, mm, they do tend to move from tree to tree, and it does vary. Hanar, skilful, one of the dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Hans, in the Danish fairy tale Hans, the mermaid's son. A smith named Basmus went out fishing for three days and came back with a boat full of fish. Six years later, he confessed he spent the time as a guest of a mermaid at the bottom of the sea. A year later, Basmus was greeted by a handsome young man who looked to be 18 years of age. This individual claimed his name was Hans, and the son born of the union between the mermaid, whose company the has kept. Hans had a vivacious appetite and was immensely strong, able to break an iron rod as thick as a wagon pole, easily bend it over his knee. Hans was able to do the work of any twelve farmhands, but it was also a sound sleeper who never missed an opportunity to nap. Wonder where that's like, you know, where they got the little mermaid from. That, probably. <laughs> so, or hard mandel or Hardmandel, Mandlin. It's a joyous species of dwarf in Switzerland, and they enjoy, they enjoy walking through valleys, taking part in agricultural labour, such as finding stray lambs and farming. The primary chore is keeping cattle and making the most excellent and well formed cheese. Interesting. Harpina, in Greek mythology, Harpina was a naiad. She was one of the nymphs, basically, and like most of the other nymphs, Har, high or lofty one, one of the many dwarfs, named in the Voluspa. Hathers. in contem- in contemporary fairy lore, the ancient Egyptian goddess Hathor has been associated with fairies. There is an aspect of Hathor. Named Neith, the goddess of trees. She is associated with the seven Hathas, the beings like fairy godmothers, preside over births and make prophecies. Hogs Pore, just another one of the dwarfs named in the Veluspa. Haumia, also known as Tikitiki, the fairy law of the Naori people of New Zealand. The Haumia. Fern root, a type of aquatic um, water intentionally trapped and consequently would kill the tanoa whale. Interesting. Born on many of the offspring of Rangi, heaven, and Papa, earth. Apparently, she was personified by the fern root and lived in manuka. The Haur, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa, is the Haur. House Schmeidlin. In Bohemia, there was a species of knocker known as the House Schmidlin, little house smiths. These underground fairies lived in mines. who usually made the sound of a smith hard at work at his anvil. However, whenever a minor death is imminent, they would knock three times upon the wall. When an accident was about to occur, they would imitate the sounds of miners at work. House manner. A domestic household from Germany, folklore, the house manor was typically helpful but had occasional bouts of being mischievous, especially when it was not fairly compensated for any work that it did. hafru meaning half-woman, of Denmark, a species of mermaid. To see one of these fairy creatures is an omen of both poor fishing and an upcoming storm. It's believed the hafru have the ability to predict the future, a common gift among sea people. Fishermen say the best time to see a Havfrou is during the summer months, when a mist is over the sea. During this time, it will be at the surface of water, combing out its long golden hair with a comb, or driving its snowy white cattle onto the shore to graze. Havman, half man. Again, Denmark, but this is the merman, and they live at the bottom of the sea, or in cliffs near the shoreline, but they're considered bedine, which is good. They're not evil. Heather Pixies. Heather Pixies are found on the Scottish moors, and in Yorkshire, England. Heather Pixies are winged fair that enjoy playing pranks. They can also bite, guys, okay? It doesn't say that here, but I'm telling you, they bite. The Hicabi. So in Greek mythology, Hecabe was a water nymph and was one of the collective Danads. Hedinna. Hedinna was a nymph from the mythology of ancient Greece and Rome. She was, again, one of the Naiads. Hedley Cow, boneless as well, apparently, is another name. It's a shape-changing, harmless, solitary fairy trickster of British fairy lore. Hedley Cow of Hedley, England, near Ebchester was well known for its neighing-like laughter. It was an individual fairy being. One of its favourite pranks is to shapeshift into a bundle of straw. Once picked up and carried for a while, it will become so heavy it would ultimately have to be placed back down. Once released, it would bounce off with its trademark laughter. Other tricks it enjoys are feeding cream to cats, mimicking the voice of a lover, and spilling bowls of soup Hegatoria Hegatoria is one of the nymphs of Rhodes in Greek mythology. She actually was married to the Rhodian king so that's a little bit different I suppose Hekraj, also known as Arge, Classical Greek mythology, Hekraj was one of the three nymph attendants of the goddess Artemis or Diana whichever part you want to sort of look at it I guess because Things changed, like I said, as time went on. And then we have the Heliades and the Heli. These are the children of the sun. They're the seven daughters born from the sun god Helios, or Sol, depending where you're from, to what you call it, of course. Heliconian. They're a species of nymph in Greek mythology, living and protecting willow trees. Helicta. Greek mythology. Helicta was a water nymph. She was one of the named Danans. Helike. Helike was a Orid, a nymph of Mount Ida, Crete. Um, she nursed the infant god Zeus as well, apparently. HEN In Welsh law, Kolokaufre was one of the three powerful swine herders on the Isle of Britain. He kept the fairy swine of the were, Thalbin, in the valley of the Waring Cornwall, one of the swine under Col, at Colfrey's protection, was named Henwen. It had been prophesied when the pig gave birth, it would bring evil to the land. King Arthur assembles a troop of men to seek out the animal and destroy. Henwen, about to give birth, became frightened and ran, but the herd caught her by the bristles. Unfortunately, he was not strong enough to stop her charge. The man, held on to Henwen, ran across the country and swam through the sea, delivering its offspring as it went. In Arun, she delivered a grain of rye. In Divd she delivered a grain of barley and a piglet. In Gwent, she delivered three grains of wheat and three bees. In Mendu, she delivered a kitten. So she really went everywhere. But anyway, then she delivered an eagle and a wolf cub, and it's believed by scholars the story is a device used to explain how food and animals are native to the island. Still, it's a bit strange. Henkies. On the Orkney and Shetland Islands, the henkies are a species of troll. thrall <laughs> Trow meaning limps. They dance, basically. They are known, um to be in knolls, and and they would gamble as well and play around at night. It doesn't say what they actually gamble with, but they definitely gambled. Hepti, meaning grip, one of the dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Heptivili, fire with hands, another one of the dwarves named in the Voluspa also. (laughs) Heri, a fighter or hare, another one of the dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Herginia a nymph of the river Hykynia in central Greece. She was a companion to the goddess Persephone. That's kind of nice. The heroic fairy. The Irish knights and ladies of Celtic legends and medieval romances were described as possessing shining beauty and being human-sized or slightly larger in stature. Unless placed under a magical spell, heroic fae were nearly always beautiful, on the rare occasion, they were disgustingly ugly. These beings enjoyed spending their time in autocristic pursuits, mm-hmm. such as dancing, fighting, hunting, music, and riding. Heroic fairies oftentimes did take a human lover. Helophilos, A male nymph in the classical Greek mythology, Herophilus was born of the god of the sea, Poseidon. Hesiod, types of nymph. Hesiod, the ancient Greek oral poet and contemporary of Homer, describes two uh, classes of nymphs in his poem, Theogony. by the way. And the first is the Melia, the tree nymphs of the hills. There's the Obviously, we know there's the Oceanids. Um, but the Hesiod is part of that. They're basically a part of all the different nymphs. Because the problem is with the nymphs, like I've said before, there's so many different nymphs. It's to go through them all. It's really unbelievable, you know. Hesione, born of one of the 3000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Hethys. Hesperia, evening, was a dryad. One of the 12 species of nymph in Greek mythology. One of the daughters of Atlas as well. Hesperides, Hesperides were a group of four Naiad's sisters from Greek mythology who guarded the golden apple tree, the goddess Gaia gave to the goddess Hera, or Juno, as a wedding present. That's beautiful. Hestia, one of the 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Tethys. Hieronymie, a nymph from classical Greek mythology. She was a Naiad of Mount Ida. Hilda. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Hilda, meaning war, was one of the named Valkyries, a name for battle, always depicted as a beautiful woman, who was sometimes immortal, via the attendants of the god Odin. When Hilda's father declared war on her lover, she fought on her lover's side. Each night she would perform magical ceremony to raise up the dead so they could return to the battle. Hildur. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Hildur, meaning warrior, was another one of the named Valkyries, another name for battle, always depicted as a beautiful woman, immortal obviously, and attendant of the god Udin. <laughs> Hill People Hill People are a species of elves living in caves in small hills. Described as looking like handsome humans, they seem to radiate a feeling of melancholy. It's been put forth during the introduction of Christianity. These very beings were the spirits of people's forefathers who had died without the benefit of having known Christ and were bewailing the lost opportunity for their personal redemption. Hill people are also said to be most magnificent singers. To speak against their hope of salvation will turn their song into great lamentation. It was also believed if a person wanted to learn to play the fiddle in an assistant, it could be done if they promised the hill people religious salvation. Hmm, not heard that before. Hilly Bengals. Hilly Bengals. was the wife of Hinzelmann, a fairy spirit. little Lundberg, Germany, during the 16th century. Himalia, Himalia was a nymph of Arcadia. Horrors, sources do conflict. She was transformed into the constellation Ursa Major, according to the Greek mythology. After Zeus defeated the Titans, it became enchanted with Himalaya and seduced her by means of a rain shower. She bore the god Zeus three sons. Himera. In Greek mythology, Himera was a nymph of Sicily. Her symbol was actually the rooster, representing the dawn. Coraco. Hinikorako, Maori mythology, a pale woman, a female water spirit, similar to a nature spirit. So they would live in rivers, and apparently she was married to Tanikino, the human chief, and born him a son named Tuarenga. The women of the tribe began to taunt her maternal abilities, but Korako could not tolerate their taunts, and left her family, returning to her home under Regina Falls. It's belief she also resides in lunar rainbows. That's kind of pretty. Hini Pogohurangai. A Maori people, woman of the mist, a female nature spirit, the personification of mist covering the mountaintops. Hini Rau, also known as Hini Ruru. An owl woman, the belief of the native people of New Zealand, a nocturnal tutelarist nature spirit. She actually gives advice and protects people from harm. A death omen seen by those who are about to die, Hiniruru will root out an alarm to a warn of approaching strangers. Interesting. Hiniwai. The Maori mythology, Hiniwai, meaning water woman. She's a female fountain fairy. She's similar to a nature spirit. And she's personified by the light rain on the mountain tops. Mm. Many, many different fairies, obviously, from all around the world. That's not a monster you can hear snoring. That's literally just Dougal, who's upside down, legs up in the air, listening to me read. And he's just snoring away because he's. Can you hear him? He's completely out cold. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Encyclopedia of Fairies. Please hit the like, share if you can, and leave me a comment below. I'd really appreciate it. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the world of fairies as we continue our walk through the letter H. We start with Hipparete. Greek mythology Hipparete was a water nymph, one of the named Danads. Hippo. Born one of the 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Tethys. Hippo meaning like swift current. Hippodamia. In a list compiled by Apollodorus, a Greek scholar and grammarian, Hippodamia was one of the daughters of the Hamadryad, Atlantia, or Phoebe, sources do vary, and was wedded to Diakorocytes, or Istrus, sources again vary, one of the sons of the unnamed Arabic women, apparently. Hippodis. In Greek mythology, Hippodis was a water nymph. She was one of the named Danads. Hippomedusa, Greek mythology, Hippomedusa was a water nymph, she was another one of the named Dainads. Hippone, ancient Greek mythology, she was one of the dryads. She was one that was born from the incestuous relationship between Oxlus and his sister. Hippono, a sea nymph. Hippono was one of the named Nered, of the Temple of Osses, the waves actually, but... Yeah, she was born to Nerus and Doris. Hippoth, a sea nymph from Greek mythology. Hippoth was a happy but very silent nymph. <laughs> so we have the Hivang, but the way it's pronounced, it could be a silent H, but many people pronounce it differently. So we have what is known as the Hivangia. The Levangir and the Levenja, one of the many Dwarfs named in the Veluspa. The Hildolf, one of the many Dwarfs named in the Veluspa. So then we have Hok, which is also been um, spelt and pronounced as Lock. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Hawk was one of the named Valkyries, one of the nymphs of battles. Min, similar to the Hamadryads of classical Greek mythology, the hymn were tree spirits of gnats from Burmese folklore. This nature spirit wanders throughout the forest, violently shaking anyone it happens to cross. They are sometimes said to be demons of ague fevers. Hmm. That's different. Then we have the Hikur, but also known as the Nignur, Nika, Ninanok, and Nikkur. They are Foro Islands and Iceland. They're a water fairy similar to the Kelpe, approaching as fine apple grey horses with reversed hooves. It stands on the seashore awaiting someone foolish enough to climb on its back should ever this fairy animal get a rider it would charge straight off into the sea and absolutely take the person along with it and drown them Hob obviously a hob is like Hobgoblin, Hobthrust Hob of the thrust, Hobthrush, Hobthrust, Lob Robin Goodfellow, thirsts. those are all the different names associated with hob Northern England a hob is a species of friendly but mischievous fairy although it's oftentimes used to reference the Fay in general. According to the law, the hob would help the farmer in the field, the shopkeeper in his store, the wife with the household chores, until one day he's given a coat or thanked for his service, deeply insulted and infuriated, the hob leaves. Which, again, is just another saying for brownies, right? That's all it is. Hobgoblin. We've already done the hobgoblin, but... Originally, the hobgoblin of England was actually a good-natured house fairy, very quick with chores and helpful, um, similar to the Danish Nisse, and the German Kobold and the Scottish Brownie. However, it was fond of playing practical jokes. Eventually, under Puritan influence, the word came to take on a negative tone, and refer to any form of malicious being, as the word became more connected to the injurious beings. The appearance of the hobgoblin Hobgoblin changed as well. They were described as having a horrifying appearance. Easily frightening anyone, eventually. To see one then became a death omen. But I'm just going to tell you now. Don't believe everything that you read, especially after Christianity came in. And after the Puritan and whatnot. Because hobgoblins are really not all that bad. Yeah, they're mischievous, of course they are. But they're not a death omen, okay? Hobmen is a generic name for the category in which the various species of hob belong. And sort of the fairies that do fall under the hobmen are the boggarts, the fenidery, the grogach, the kilamonis, the lubber friend, the fiend, the pulka, vulka, robin, goodfellow, willow the Wisp, silkies, pixies, all kind of come into that category. Hobthrust, Hothrust, a brownie-like fairy said to live north of England. Hobthrust was different from other fairies in that he was reported to carry an iron pot. Stirring the thumb bones of children he kept in it as he walked about. Gee, he sounds really nice. Not. Hobbyars. These are my favourite. Hobbyars are cannibalistic goblins in England fairy law. The hobbyars are malicious and murderous. They will kidnap children and tear down crops. These nocturnal fairies are fearful of dogs. Very true. Very, very true. The Hodecan, also known as the Hutchen and Hatkin, little hat. The Hodecan was a kobold once living in the palace of the Bishop of Hildesheim, Lower Saxony, Germany. Said to be kind and having an obliging disposition, even making announcements of events about to happen, Hodeskin was a little felt hat low on his head, so much so his face was completely covered. Unfortunately, Hodkin had extreme reactions to being affronted. His good nature was replaced with a murderous and violent one. Eventually, the bishop had to vanish and exorcise him out of the way. Hodge Poker. The goblin Hodge Poker was a nursery bogey from the folklore of England, and his two brothers were Mum Poker and Tom Poker. Hogstari, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Hogmen. Hogmen are the most feared of fairy people in the Isle of Man. November 11th is known as Tide. It is believed to be the night the hogmen move their home using fairy paths. They travel along those straight lines to suitable fairy hills. Offerings of fruit and small gifts are left for them. The Holland Machen, the dragon of the north. The Holland Machen, which maiden also it's called, was a fairy who had possession of King Solomon's lost ring. Had no permanent dwelling, but rather moved about as the wind took her. Once a month, the fairy needed to go to a particular spring and wash her face in the light of a full moon. If she not do so, well, she would lose her bloom of youth, instantly grow old, and become extremely wrinkled. The holly king, I am so glad he's in here the protector of holly trees. The holly king is actually Hamadryad and the king of winter. Prior to the introduction of Christianity, the holly king was a personification of the tenacity of life and was in power from midsummer to midwinter, after which the oak king came into power. Depicted as an old man wearing winter clothing, he wears a wreath of holly, carries a holly branch as a staff, he was once the Celtic god of the dying year. Homeric nymphs. So Homeric nymphs are the nymphs created from the ancient Greek epic poet. You know the Odyssey, basically. They are the nymphs in there by Homer. That's what they are. Homdebu, in French fairy lore, Homdebu, he good man, was once a god, but had been reduced to the status of fairy. Living in the forest between France and Spain. In some stories, he is described as being very similar to a Scottish brownie. In this role, Hum de Beau is on occasion referred to as Ancho. He lives in shepherds' huts in the mountains, drinks their milk, eats their cheese, and by the fireside will converse with them. Although these encounters seem innocent enough, there's always a feeling of dread associated with him. Who put up Sen Cove? In Sennan Cove, West Cornwall, England, there is believed to live a nature spirit called Hooper who warns the locals of approaching storms. Described as looking like a large sheet of cloud mist, stretched across the bay with a dull light in the middle of it. Hooper will appear before a storm and make distinctive yet strange hooping sounds. The fog this very creator was thick enough, even if his calls were ignored. A fisherman would have to intentionally make a very poor decision to sail out into it. Those who did were inevitably lost at sea forever. Hore. Greek mythology. Hore, the correct moment. There were three nymphs born of the Union between Zeus and the Titan goddess of law, Themis. Hore. One of the many dwarfs named in the Valuspa. Hound Kunz was a powerful dear, according to ancient Persian law. He slew Tamoras, the king of Persia. Hounds of Anwen. The Hounds of Anwen were the spectral fairy hounds associated with Anwen, the underworld in Welsh mytholo- mythology. Owned by a Lord of Anwen, the pack was usually sent out on their own to retrieve souls of Anwin, or to reveal and occasionally consume a corpse. So you'd have to look at the first branch of the Mabanagi tree um, to understand all this what's going on. But they were described as being shining white with red ears, but other sources say they were small grey hounds with red speckles. But to see them is basically an omen of death. Now after the introduction of Christianity, the hounds of Anwin were reclassified as hell hounds. However, Anwin itself was more accurately defined as a paradise. So, again, Christianity changed what it actually was. Unfortunately, house spirit, domestic fey, domestic fairy, tom to Goob, <laughs> In British law, a house spirit is a domestic fey, one or two classes of fairy. Typically they are like brownies or hobgoblins, just like you would expect them to be. But they just live in the houses with you, instead of out there in caves and woods and all this other stuff. And they're actually way back. That's what hauntings were. You know, if you thought you had a ghost, it wasn't a ghost, you had a house fairy. And as long as you left it an offering and you gave it stuff on that offering table, things wouldn't be so bad, it'd be alright. Howler, also known as Duinio, the hawa of the Nightman, on the Isle of Man, the Howler is a fairy known to call out from the mountains just prior to a storm. This nature spirit received its name from the distinct sound of the dismal call, Howler, Howler. Yikes! Very scary. Who? Xian, Chinese law, Hu fox fairy, it's a malicious fox fairy. They are powerful shapeshifters, and are believed to be a guardian spirit, of the seal of some of the high officials. We call them Kitsuns, over here. But they're the, the same. The same. Huk-stari. Hukstari, one of the many dwarfs named in the Beluspa. The Hulderfolk, Hidden People. There are species of reclusive fairies in Scandinavian folklore, although their interaction with humans is very rare. When it occurs, they will deal fairly and reward good and honest behaviour. To ask a Hulderfolk for a knife is considered very unlucky and ensures having a curse being laid upon you. Huldra, Lady, Ruler of the Forest. Pine-tree-marish is also called. Norwegian folklore it is believed an individual fairy woman or nymph named Huldra lives in the forest and mountains. Descriptions of the Huldra vary across the country. Sometimes she's said to be beautiful, but when seen from behind, it reveals she's hollow. Other times she's said to be blue-skinned in areas where she's known as the Skogsnyrth. She's said to be a blue-coloured, but wear a green petticoat. Has Huldra, though, she is most commonly known. She is said to be beautiful, wearing a blue petticoat. A white, it says, a white snood that nearly hides a long cow-like tail. So what I think it means is a long white coat. A physical trait she's mostly embarrassed of. Particularly fond of brindled coloured cattle, she keeps a handsome and thriving herd of hornless cows, in the mountains a song can be heard over a great distance, hello in a mournful tune, some of the holders are very very vicious, and they will go out looking for men who crave sex, and if you are a man and you crave too much sex, and you are going to take the holder up on the offer when she offers you free sex, and go with her into the woods, then she's just gonna kill you, okay? You're not gonna get any sex. So don't do that. Holdra folk. In regions sporadic through the country of Holdra it's not thought of an individual being, but rather a race of fairy. The Holdrae, or Holdra folk. Um, they're also known as living in mountains, wearing nothing but green colored clothing, and they raise herds of blue cattle Known to yield copious amounts of milk. The Huldra men tend to their herds in pasture lands mortals have abandoned. The music of the Huldra folk is called the Huldra Slaat. It is a minor key and known for its dull and mournful sound. Hmm. In Lapland, the Huldra folk are considered to be a beneficent nature spirit, living underground, coming to the surface quite regularly to work with the animals of the woods. In the winter, the huldra are said to feed the hibernating, especially the bears, so gently as not to wake them, of course. The Hulldú folk In Iceland, the Hulldú folk, are a ra- race of people with many characteristics similar to the Fae. Living a life cycle similar to humans, they mature, marry and have children. The Hudu folk live in communities and are usually associated with sacred boulders or hillocks. The Himu Himu, a tutelary nature spirit from the Omoori Maori mythology. The Himu Himu escorted the cultural hero Mahuhu on his journey. Mm. They have the ability to shapeshift into animals and could take on the form of a natural phenomena. Hmm. The Huroko, a famous giant or ogre from the 17th century fairy tale collection. So it's just in a story. Hyad, also known as Hyades and Thyades. The Hyad Raina, they were the 12 species of nymphs. Um, Like I said, there's many different species of nymphs, born of many different gods and goddesses and such. To go through them all would just be like... We'd be here forever, seriously. We really would. Hildemur In Copenhagen, Denmark, the Hildemur are a species of fairies being similar to nymphs of ancient Greece. As they live in elder trees and avenge any injury done to them. If a movable object is made from elder wood, such as a child's cradle, the infant will never know a moment's peace, as the Hildemore will poke at it and pull its legs. It is believed before an elder tree is cut, one needs to ask permission, and they have to ask it out loud. Hildemore, Hildemore, allow me to cut thy branches. Of course, I suppose you would have to watch out for what the answer would be. Right. Hippate One of the muses, the highest muse, the highest chord of the lyre she was, and she represented one of the three strings on the popular Greek musical instrument, the lyre. Hyperia. She was a nymph of its spring from classic mythology of Greek, uh, the town of Argos as well. Hyperippe. In Greek mythology, Hyperippe was a water nymph. She's one of the Danads. Hypernestra. In Greek mythology, Hypernestra was a water nymph. She's also one of the collective Danads. Hyter sprite. In East Anglia and Lincolnshire, England, hyster sprites are a type of fairy which shapeshift into sand. Martins, a species of regional bird, and naturally sandy brown in colour with bright green eyes. Heister sprites are known together in groups and fly dangerously close to humans. <laughs> That's interesting. So that leaves us with all, well not all, but most of the other fairies of course. In the letter H So when we come back, we'll move on to the letter I. And maybe I'll start leaving out, like, the Greek nymphs and stuff, if you want. Because I don't put them all in. And honestly, there is so, so many. Like, uh, you'd have to just do a a whole section on those. So if I put anything in, it'll just be a brief note of them. Because otherwise, to go into, like, a deeper description and more information you have to go into Greek mythology and you have to tell the stories of Greek mythology which I've not done yet though I have the books I've not actually done that yet so bear in mind that some of them are brief descriptions because they are nymphs and because they're nymphs of Greek mythology or Roman mythology there are like so many of them so I try and keep it brief for a reason so yeah please hit that like share if you can and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everybody, welcome back to my channel and to the encyclopedia of Aferis was told in the eye when I won the Ifrit, but it's also known as Afrit Afrit Afrite Ifrit. Ifrit, and Afrit, and Ifrit, and it's a species of djinn from Arabic mythology, a subterranean spirit. It looks like an enormous winged demon made of smoke, cunning, immortal, and strong. Their veins flow with fire, not blood. When an Ifrit is mortally wounded, it combusts into flames. Ifrit live underground and in ruins. In a structured tribal society under the command of their tribal leader. The female species is known as the Ifrita. These demons feel lightning bolts so then we move on to the Ifritah, which is the jinn, but it is the woman jinn from the arabic mythology. She has huge breasts and large buttocks. Natural seductress that's what she is. These fairies though can shapeshift shape to make themselves look like beautiful women for example, depending on what they think the man would represent as beautiful, they'll change into that. It's like they read the mind and then change into what they believe they would want. The Ygosia. Slavic folklore. Igosha is a species of household spirit. The spirit of an infant who died without being baptised. They are usually buried just outside the house they were born in. The Egosha are described as being headless, legless, and fond of playing pranks. To keep the Igosha appeased, acknowledge its presence loudly, and leave it an offering of a loaf of bread, a spoon, and in the winter mums, a hat and mittens. Illies The Illies are a species of nocturnal troll living underground in Icelandic and Scandinavian folklore. Described as being dark-skinned and very hairy, These fairies tried to lure mortals into their lairs by shape-shifting into a sexually attractive member of the opposite sex. In the pig winner. In Wilbury Hill, North Somerset, England, it was the custom of local fishermen to leave a small white stone at the nearby fairy mound and say, In the pig winner, send me a good dinner. According to law, those fishermen who practised this belief would return with a load of fish. Inachus, born one of the very few sons of the titans Oceanus and Tethys, Inachus was one of the named Oceanids, but a son, not a nymph, not a daughter. Incantatrice also known as Incantatoria. I know it as Fata, um actually, but it's also known as Istrehi and the MAGA, Miliata, incantatori. In fairy law based on Italian poetry, there are two classes of fate. They are known as the fata. The first is beneficent and protective of mortals, while the other is malicious and seductive. The term fata, incantatrice, and maga are used interchangeably between the classes. So, yeah but I know them as Fata because when we would pronounce them as that, even though it means fate in Italian, but whatever. The Incubo. In Italian folklore, Incubo is a small individual fairy said to watch over hidden treasure. If his cap is ever stolen, it will give up the location of the treasure just to get his cap back because his cap is worth a lot more to him than any of the treasure he's guarding. Indra. In the fairy tale, Dorani Indra was the fairy king of Fairyland. He held the beautiful maiden, Dorani, and a friend. The fairy Indra is in high regard, because not only could he sing beautifully, but also because no one in the kingdom of Hindustan could match that beauty and grace. Hmm. Ingi, also known as Jusin, um, Lordly was one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. And we have Ione. Ione was one of the sea nymphs, one of the named Nereads as well in classical Greek mythology. The Ionides. Nereads from classical Greek mythology. The Ionides were four nymphs of the healing springs of the river Ketharos in Elis, located in southern Greece. Lots of them are names, like I said. Lots of them come from, you know, Greek mythology. In Senra'at, also known as the In so this is among the Inuit people in Yupik, Central Alaska, United States of America. The In are species of fairy living under the low hills on Nelson Island, described as being small and standing only two or three feet tall. They appear as a normal person or even a fox or a wolf. It is not until days later the person realises they had an encounter with a fairy being. There are many stories of people walking up on one of these hills, seeing a window dug into it and stealing a peek inside. After what seems to be only a moment, is later discovered a great deal of time has passed. To spend a night in the company of one of these, well, you'll later discover that it wasn't a night, but actually a year. But that happens in All fairy time, let's be honest. Um, How it works, we're not quite sure. But we do think that a day and night is possibly a year in their time. That's how it's seen, anyway. Herodice. But she was also called Aradia. Doamna. Zinolor. Aradia. Anoradias. A beautiful and dangerous fairy queen... Of the el fairies from Romanian law. She was worshipped as a goddess. And she's the Romanian equivalent of the beautiful Diana. Freestone, or Spark, is a specific and singular fairy. And it has a very, very crazy name. And I will give you that name. It's Ishk rai (laughs) shiki Ishk rai shiki They offered their service to a noble family, who then would accept and a contract would be drawn up and signed. After the nobleman would see the feet of this fairy, they would try to dismiss the fairy. But then the fairy would not leave, but rather take up residence, invisibly, by the fireplace, doing the tasks that were assigned to him. And there's a story about one doing such such things and the family got really fed up with him but couldn't get rid of him and they had to learn to live with him basically and learn how to get along with the fae and you know leave the offerings let him get on with his work and just leave it like that is many a nymph of telos in classical greek mythology isa in greek mythology Issa was a nymph of lesbos she was married to cadmus Ithia. In Greek mythology, Ithia was a water nymph. She was one of the Danads. Ithomi. Itomi in ancient Greek mythology. She was a Neda, Two nymphs of Mount Ithomi who nursed the infant god. Zeus. Iubdan, Also like a fairy king of Ulster. Iubdan was described as being both boastful and small. He ruled over a diminutive race of people. Known as the Phaelin. They stood only a few inches tall. Eubdan's e- equally small fairy queen was named Bebo. The Felin, being so small, believed Ireland was populated by giants. They were just humans, but because these fairies were so small, they were giants to the fairies. Ivaldi. Ivaldi is one of the many dwarfs named in the Velospa. I'm sure many people already know that because Ivaldi is quite a famous name for a dwarf. Inks. An auread from classical Greek mythology. Inks was a nymph of Boeotia in central Greece. She was the daughter of the god Pan or Faunus, whatever you want to call him. Jack Frost, also known as Old Man Winter. In British fairy lore, Jack Frost was a singular individual seasonal fairy being. A nature spirit of the cold and frost, the personification of winter. It was said to be elf like in an appearance and displaying a childlike innocence. It's been speculated by some scholars Jack Frost originated in Norse folklore as either the dwarf, jockle meaning icicle, or Frosty meaning frost. In Russia, there is a very strong connection to Jack Frost. On Christmas Eve, a spoonful of kissel, a type of pudding, is offered to him in exchange for his not spoiling their oat stores, and for his driving the flax and hemp roots deep into the ground. It's also believed knocking icicles off, the house will anger Jack Frost to the point where it will freeze the offender to death. In many Russian tales of Jack Frost, he is portrayed as a hero who lives in a hut of ice and snow. He bestows gifts to the good and deserving people while delivering misfortune to the evil ones. Jack Frost is especially fond of children who are singled out and harassed. He has a particular and singular hatred for hypocrisy, pride and selfishness. Or you can just go with the fact that there is the Jack Frost who is really evil and actually eats children. Because that's also become a thing these days. Which never were back then, by the way. I just want to tell you now, that kind of Jack Frost, it's all Hollywood made. Never existed. Jack in Irons. Jack in Irons was a nocturnal giant from the folklore of Yorkshire. England, where I live, covered in chains, and um, the heads of his past victims, Jack and Irons patrolled the more isolated and lonely roads with his large spiked club. We'll go looking for him one day, guys, I'm sure we can find him. I'm joking, <laughs> totally joking, it's not going to happen. Jack Mo Lantern, obviously known as Joach Lantern, not Jack O'Lantern, okay, Joach or lantern. jacques Along the southern coast of the United States of America comes the story of Jack Moore lantern a hideous creature with a furred-covered body, goggling eyes, and a huge mouth. Standing around five foot tall, this hairy being leaps through the air like a giant grasshopper. Stronger than a man and moving faster than a horse, it has a supernatural ability to compel its victims, to follow it deep into the swamp. Once its prey has been isolated, it abandons them there. and then Obviously, they go missing and then they die. Jackal the Bowl In Switzerland, Jack o' the Bowl is a household fairy, very similar to the brownie. Each night, a bowl of fresh cream is placed for his consumption in the cowhouse. By morning, the contents of the bowl are always gone. The Jacobine Fairy, also known as the Greenies, so, described as being very small and having gossamer wings, this species of fairy was introduced after the Elizabethan fairy in the 17th century. The fashion of the Fay was extended during this time, but the emphasis of fairies here was placed on a more small size. Under Puritan influence, the fae were regarded as devils. But let's just remember that under Puritan influence, okay? They actually were never devils. They... Owned the earth before we did. That's what it was. Jafnahir, equal to the high. One of the many dwarfs named in the Valospa. Jean, known as Jean the Sun. According to Burmese folklore, the Jean are one of the four different species of gnats of the air. Generally, the Jean are considered to be beneficial towards mankind. Once a year, they are worshipped by the village chief. Sacrifices are not required, though. Jan Ibn Jan, the last of the seventy-two Suleiman Kings of the Jinn. So he's the ruler of Jinnistan, with command over all of the kind according to Arabic mythology. And his name that I know it as is Jan son of Jan, basically, which is what it would how it would be said in our language. Janena, a beautiful mermaid from Brazilian law. She's also known as Ayuk. Donna Maria, Limangia, Queen of the Fish, Princess of the Sea, Lady, Jaina. <laughs> She's a benign being who protects fishermen and those who travel by sea. In Afro-Brazilian mythology, she was said to have created fish, the ocean and the starfishes, but after being raped by her own son. She gave birth to the divinities of the Afro-Brazilian, the Orixas. Jan. There are two classes of jinn in Islamic mythology. The first, the higher class, is divided into five, you know, like the Afrit that we've already done and such. But the Jan spirit are the weakest of their genus, a type of familiar spirit. These demons steal animals from farmers. Jare, meaning fighter, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Jengu, but plural is Miengu. Among the Douala people of the Cameroon coast, a Jengu are a species of water spirit, still widely and openly worshipped in modern times. The Miengu are said to live in rivers and in the sea and described as looking rather like mermaids, having long woolly hair and a gaping dew smile, having the ability to control the quality of fishing. The Miengu are worshipped and allowed to take part in possession rituals. We're not gonna do Jenny at Green Teeth and yeah we are on the J's, but we're not gonna do it because um, we already did her uh, in the other ones. Jezebaba. Jezebaba is actually similar to the Baba Yaga, meaning granny witch. Western Slavic lore. She lives in a little hut on the shore of a lake, although not as frightening as the vicious Baba Yaga. Baba is nevertheless fierce but helpful fairy witch. Germaninos. Mexican folklore and throughout Central America. The Germaninos, little children, are seasonal fairies, only appearing on the Day of the Dead Festival, November 2nd, as they are exceedingly shy by nature. Described as looking like chubit-winged children, these fairies are unaware they are the souls of deceased children. Male fairy spirits are called Germaninos, and female spirits are known as Germaninas, or Jimman Jimmy Squarefoot. Likely originating from the story of Squarefoot, a colossal pig carried about by a stone-throwing giant. Jimmy Squarefoot survives on in British and Manx fairy lore as having a frightening appearance, but really harmless. As the story of Jimmy Squarefoot goes, it was described as having the body of a man with the head of a pig complete with ball-like tusks. This transformation happened when his wife left him because he used to throw stones at her. Joan the Wad, also known the consort of the jack-o'-lantern and the queen of the Piskies. Joan the Wad, Joan of the Torch, was a will-o'-the-wisp from the folklore of Paul a fishing village in south-east Como, She's also considered to be a fairy queen of Cornwall. Based on the old rhyme, it is considered lucky to carry a small carving of her to ensure safety when travelling. The carvings depict this pixie fairy as being small and just a squatty thing, really. the Dwarf people. They're small nature spirits, very similar to Nymphs, but they're from the Irokoos people of North America. They represent different aspects of nature and things like that. You know, rocky terrains and sands and stuff. The Jotirna. Now, the Jotirna are also known as Dioturna and Diotirna. And they're fountain names from ancient Roman mythology. So they had a sacred well, Latium. They were well known for its healing qualities. Which is interesting. <laughs> but that's the rest of the eyes done because there weren't that many left. And also the J's. And we'll be moving on to the K's when we come back and see how we go with those. And as you can tell, there was a lot less in the eyes, and definitely a lot less in the J's because most of them are, in fact, just the nymphs of the Titans. Um, titans, if you want to pronounce it. There's a lot of them, and like I said, there's no point going through every single one of them because they're all the same, really. It's just, you know, pointless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Encyclopedia of the Fairies of the World. Please hit that like, share if you can. If you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. And many blessings.